another episode of the Level Heads Podcast. Tonight we have our friend Jacob Reinbold of Reinbold Inc. Jacob does just about anything and everything you could think in the construction industry. Jacob builds uh, custom homes. He builds speculative homes. Uh, they build cabinets. They build amazing fireplaces, which is going to help Mike learn the difference between his shapes, uh, say, such as a trapezoid or a hexagon or an octagon or whatever the hell he thought it was. So check it out. And again, don't forget, we are always sponsored by Anderson Windows and Doors. Anderson with an E-N. Go check them out. They sell a uh, very affordable, very sustainable 100 series uh, for your lower option windows, but can still be customized up to anything almost anything you want all the way up to their architect series their a series windows we've put these in a couple of houses and they are just amazing windows the 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 profile of the window just looks money it's it's such a nice window anyway happy 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 to be sponsored by anderson windows and doors well football is like religion out down there in texas isn't it it is. I mean, it's a, it's a pretty big deal. I, uh, I mean, it, it's, it's still big, uh, when you're in it, it's like, I mean, if y'all have ever seen the movie Friday night lights or, you know, it, it, Texas high school football is just a big deal. And back when I played, uh, there were some games where when we play our rival team and I, we're not in a big town, I've, I've, Amarillo's got about 200,000 people, but when there's a big rival game or playoffs or something like that, I mean, wow. there may be 10 or 12,000 people at the game, which is pretty Holy big around here. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we've got a university that's just right outside of uh, city limits. And sometimes they'll take the games there. And I mean, it's, I don't know, it's, but just about every high school has got, you know, AstroTurf and lights and bleak. I mean, it, it's just nice. That must be a um, great yeah, atmosphere they, they with all those serious. people at a high school game. Yeah, it is. It's pretty. Hey, it's pretty fun. Have you have you ever have you ever heard this? Hey, come on, that's not ringing a bell. I don't know that one. It's about <laughs> such an idiot. <laughs> Here we go. Ready? <laughs> oh yes, yes I of course have heard Amarillo by morning. So so much that I've blocked it out of my mind too. Uh, oh, I'm yeah, sorry. I, I, I know it's it's fine. I just I don't know the intro, and I'm sure I'm going to get some flack whenever I've got some of my friends listening to this and say, "Well, you didn't know what that song was." But Jamie sent it to me <laughs> like ten minutes ago. He's like, "I'm going to sing uh, this song to him." I'm like, "I've never heard that song." He's like, "What?" No, 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 I did. So then he sent it. So then no, he sent it to me. Listen to it. It's a very uplifting song. Yeah. yeah <laughs> is it? <laughs> yeah, great, great song. Well, that answers one of our That's questions. Kind of Where are you from, Jacob? <laughs> A- Amarillo is the Amarillo the by morning. <laughs> All the time. Born and raised, never left. Really? Yeah. That's, gonna, that's where I've been. So tell us what you do yeah. down there in Amarillo. 
I do a lot. Um, I, I don't know, just a flyby. I, I run a construction business where uh, I build houses. I do large scale renovations. Uh, that's that's really what's been kept us the most busy over the past few years. And then I own and operate a cabinet nice. network operation as well. Nice. So you you actually you build new homes too? Yes, sir. Yeah, I uh, I'm 34. I built my first house when I was oh, wow. uh, 23, I think, and just kind of <laughs> jumped right in and figured it out. And uh, definitely haven't done the same thing twice since then. Uh, and I pretty much can say that about everything that I do. But um, yeah, that's that's uh, part of, uh, honestly a small part of my business. There was a time where I maybe would push out four or five houses a year, but. Uh, that's just not really my, my recipe lately is, um, you know, I've got one new construction going that's about to get wrapped up and then everything else I've got going is renovation work and, uh, then just cabinetry and mill work for those projects, obviously. And then, um, you know, for other designers and, uh, builders. And so when you first started out, homeowners. did you start out in the millwork shop or doing millwork and kitchens and, and then get into building or did you just go right into it and that kind of came after? No. Uh, not at all. Yeah, I uh, I started with a honestly the complete opposite side of the you know I, I'm in the high end ditch on you know the side of the road uh, right now and then where I started was low 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 end stuff. Um, I uh, I had a guy kind of plant a seed and give me an opportunity uh, when I was 14 years old. Didn't know what I was doing with my life and uh, he just said, "Hey, come start working for me." And his name is Jerry. So I worked for Jerry and, uh, I didn't have a father figure in my life. I didn't have really any direction, didn't know what I was going to be doing. And he, he saw that and definitely extended a, uh, an opportunity to me and really just changed my life. Um, it wasn't what I was looking for at all. Wasn't really honestly, uh, interested in construction, cabinetry, millwork, anything like that. And he, he was just a, a, great businessman, a, a great entrepreneur. And he just said he was a real estate appraiser and had a whole lot of uh, properties around town. And a lot of them were low, low end HUD houses, uh, duplexes, uh, that type of stuff. And, but I mean, he had dozens of them and they all needed something as you know. And I he took this 14 year old kid that didn't know anything and planted me in a, in a duplex and said, Hey, tear, tear this wall down. I want to make it one big house. And I'd say, I don't, I don't know what you want me to do. I don't know how to do that. And he would, you know, tell me, to, it just more or less taught me how to critically think my way through uh, anything and not be intimidated by stuff. So he said, well, mm. figure it out. Here's, here's my credit card. Go get what you need. I'll come back tomorrow and we'll see what the next step is. And so that's really where it started. And there, it was really, really low risk. Um, for him, obviously, uh, and, and a very high reward, and just kind of threw me, it threw me in um, feet first, and just said, "Try this and and see what happens." And so that that's really kind of where I got my first introduction to construction was was in stuff like that, and just learning how to do really everything. I just self performed. That's that's pretty young. Everything that there was. Fourteen. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it, it definitely That's was. What I was just I mean, about I'd, to say, I'd have to get a ride to work, and you know, I would, and it, it didn't necessarily start right there at fourteen. I mean, he he said, "Why don't you, why don't you show up 
and work for me tomorrow. And he said, I'll pay you eight bucks an hour. And I remember thinking, I was like, okay, this is, this is, might be a sweet deal. And I remember back then I would, I would <laughs> hustle and make sure I got paid every week. I'd be like, Hey, I worked 10 hours this week. Can I, can I get a check? You know? And he's like, Hey, why don't you need to get to where you're maybe making it two or three weeks at a time. And, uh, but I would work in his office. I would do, I would file stuff. I'd mow his grass. I'd take the car for an oil change. I would do whatever he needed. And then it just grew into, Hey, don't just mow the grass over here. Go mow it at this whole block of properties that I own, you know, own on the North side of town. And then while you're there, take the trash out. And then while you're there, can you paint this wall? And, and it just grew and grew from there. And that's when I, I was, I was in high school. So I guess I was at least 16 at the time, 15 or 16. And so I would do my summer football workouts and, uh, you know, stuff like that. And I'd go work and, you know, just go to these low end properties and, tear some stuff up and, and screw some stuff up. And, but it, that, that was honestly what Jerry told me though, too, is he said, look, look around you. This is a, a brick house with a metal roof, low inside of town. This whole property is worth 20, $30,000. Maybe what's the worst that can happen. You're not going to burn it down. And even if you do, I've got another one next door and it'll be okay. And just kind of really. I like me. Jerry. Yeah. No, he's, he's a great guy. And, uh, he, he taught me a lot and, um, really just gave me the opportunity. It just gave me a leash to, uh, try some stuff and, and to screw up and learn from it because I mean, it's honestly the same message that I have with every guy that works for, works for me as either an employee or a subcontractor or, you know, even my kids too. It's just, Hey, just try it. And if you mess something up, that's going to be a great learning lesson for you. You're not Mm going to do it twice like that again. And so I was just super thankful for that because I, I remember being very, very intimidated by uh, having a hammer in my hand or having going and turning a breaker off in a, an electrical panel or, you know, having a water leak and having to freak out and how, where do you turn this off and just doing stuff like that. And then you're like, okay, I can solve that. And if something pops up, what, I can, what a way to learn that out yep. too. I mean, and, thrown to the wolves um, like that and into like rental properties yeah, where best you just got to go in and figure out how to fix something that's wrong, whether it's plumbing or carpentry or electrical. That's a great way to learn. Yeah. You get over a hump and you just know that you could, you could pretty much figure it out. And if you mess it up, you could fix it. Yeah. Yeah. It, it was, it was cool. And I didn't know it at the time and uh, you know, just really how valuable that it, you know, the lessons that I was learning, but I knew I had somebody that had my back and, and kind of gave me a, like I said, enough of a leash to, to just try something. And I knew that if I messed up, I'd still have a job the next day and wasn't going to be a complete failure. And, you know, so I've, that's been a lot of my message to just anybody that's willing to seize an opportunity, because I, I know for every, you know, two or three dozen people that came along in Jerry's life, only a you know, a small fraction of them would actually do something yep. with that opportunity. I, I saw it firsthand where, you know, I'd see him give some loser kid an opportunity and I'd say, man, why are you giving this guy a shot? And I'm like, okay, well, he's got to try. And, and I, you know, you're never going to know if you're not going to, you know, extend an opportunity to some people yep. and it's not going to work every time. And so I've, you know, I've tried to really continue that type of mindset and, and really extend that same, still do, same chance to other, other guys. Do you still do but work that's for how Jerry? It really started. Oh, that's no, funny. Jerry passed away a couple of years ago and, uh, yeah, but he, I mean, it was, it was definitely a big loss, but, uh, no, I kind of keep a lot of 
you know, the lessons he taught me going on and, and still have a ton of the relationships that he fostered with me. He was also one of the guys that, I mean, so, you know, I, I don't, it started with the, the, with this really low end stuff. And as we graduated to, uh, you know, other, other things that weren't just income generating properties for him, it, it, it eventually led to he and I wanting to build some, yeah. build some houses. And, uh, I think I actually extended to him. I was like, Hey, I want to build a house. And, and he's like, okay, well, let's, it, let's talk about that. And let's, he just really showed me even just the finance, the financing side and, and how to structure a note and how to build a cost sheet and how to think of all the expenses that go into something and how a efficient floor plan, you know, can be, uh, you know, profitable than something that's a little bit more complicated. And so we just started with, you know, two hundred seventy-five, three hundred thousand dollar spec houses, and uh, I built a couple. And the very first one, I think I paid. I think I ended up paying, well, I don't know, five or ten grand uh, to finish it. Like I, I was in the hole. I made zero money, and he that he told me he said, "Hey, from the first one, your the data that you're going to collect from this very first project is going to be super valuable. You're going to know what it costs per square foot to do this, and you know how much how to do a drywall takeoff and how to." Uh, you know, not splurge on, you know, expensive windows or how to, you know, just where to cost engineers some things and how to market yourself and how not to make it too personalized. And so it gave me a lot of just really valuable insight as much as I didn't have a, uh, any numbers, you know, in black at the bottom of this project, it, it taught me, it, Hey, you can start a project and finish it. And you, you, you can navigate all the things that are going to come along with that, which y'all know, I yep. mean, yeah, people think they want to go and build a house, but they don't know half of what it takes to actually execute that just from a coordination and, and scheduling to making sure you got money at the right time. And, and you have trades that can listen to you and believe in you and think that you know what you're doing. I mean, I was like I said, I was 23. So I was talking to kids, you know, adults that were 40 and 50 and 60 years old mm-hmm. thinking I'm just some dumb kid trying to build a house that doesn't know what he's doing. And and to some degree, that was right. Um, but you, back to what I said about opportunity, you got to kind of jump out there and try it. I'd rather try and fail than be crippled by fear and not really, you know, try to do something. Yep. So uh, I know I'm not really answering your question, Mike, but that's where it started with with him. And he eventually, like I said, on the on the, just the finance background and and understanding costs and and how things go uh, from a construction standpoint, he was. Once we figured it out, he said, okay, well, you need some money. And so he said, I'll, uh, let's go to lunch with one of my bankers. And so we, we walk into a bank with his his arm around my shoulder and said, hey, Jacob wants to build a house. And I, I, I believe awesome. in him. This will work. And yeah. more or less got me in with, uh, you know, some good relationships that I've been able to build and honor. And and just, uh, you know, it's it's those small little things that would lead to other relationships and other opportunities and other other banks and other clients and just different different things that you know would pop up along the way so that's really kind of how it started and um you know i i got to where once i understood enough about construction and the process and how to conduct myself as a as a young man and as a as an adult and how to uh you know almost fake it till you make it to some degree because you know, you kind of got to act like you know how to walk the walk even before you do. And, mm-hmm. uh, that was, 
that was some of my more valuable uh, takeaways from just being able to kind of step out there and, and take a chance on, you know, seeing if something's going to work or not. It's awesome. Yeah. Well, some of the advice they gave you early on was your cookies are ready. Was just so valuable. <laughs> was just so valuable and that these are the things that many of us learn by experience by like the school yeah. of hard knocks, you know, like, I mean, you might go and get a loan, but you don't know if your pricing is good. Like you don't know how to properly price a house or you don't know, you know, you don't know so many of those things that he mm -hmm. helped you walk through early on. Cause you know, shout out to Jerry, man. You know, this guy I, sounds like a legend. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Jerry's yeah. the man. Yeah. yeah. I, I, well, I got a call today from um, somebody that I, that I went to school with years ago and she's a teacher now and she's got a student that says he wants to build houses and she's like, oh, you know, how do I get him started? Um, you know, or who do Zane, I, you know, you're the first person. This is I your opportunity of, to be Jerry. And I had her, what? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <Send> for me. <laughs> I could be this kid's Jerry. Yeah. Um, no, but, but I, you know, honestly, Jamie's the first person I thought of, you know, he needs to land with, with a crew like that and get his hands dirty doing, you know, every single thing that he absolutely can. Cause I mean, that's how I got started is much the same way you Jacob, but that was my, that was my dad. You know, yeah. my dad would, you know, we had this business uh, doing, doing these large scale remodels and my dad would leave me with a pile of stuff and be like, this needs to be done. And this needs to be done. And this needs to be done. All right. I'll be back in a little bit, you know, and everybody would ask me, well, how did you learn to do this? And be like, well, you make, you know, you make a few expensive mistakes and still, I still yeah, make you them. learn, you learn real quick, mm -hmm. <laughs> but in, at the same time, you know, I always tell everybody it's good to start in a remodel or a warranty situation, because if you've seen how it's done wrong, then, yeah. then you'll figure out how to do it right a lot quicker. So, you know, yeah. I, whether it's school of hard knocks or, or, or somebody leading the way, you know, I feel like those are, great ways to learn the lessons stick when you're paying for them and man same jamie i'm still I, I mean i'm still learning a lot of lessons yeah. and it's yeah. it, i mean and as you guys know the construction industry is just kind of a mess and what things cost now and what they cost 12 months ago and 24 months ago and three years ago are all different and you, you know it's hard to know where things are going and you can you know, y'all y'all sat across the conference room table from somebody who's got a budget and you may be 10% away and you may try to cost engineer it back down to make it work and you'll calculate the risk on if you should cut it that tight or not. And then, you know, sometimes it works and sometimes they end up back where they were uh, financially or, or even more. And it's, mm -hmm. I've learned, I've learned some damn tough lessons, oh, yeah. especially over the past year, just with, you know, you're, you may sit across from a table with somebody and, and, and everybody's really excited on the yep. front end. Everybody's got all the money they need. Everybody's excited to design stuff. They want to get super creative around every corner and we're going to be best friends for life and everything's going to work out and it's going to be great. And you've got to cut through all that bullshit sometimes to be able to see how somebody actually is. And, and I've had to unfairly, not unfairly, but like you, you kind of feel bad judging people sometimes. You're like, okay, how how's this person walking and talking with their spouse? Yep. What kind of bag are they carrying? How are they dressed? What car did they pull up in? Have they 
ever done this before. Like I, how honest are they going to be with me right now and in the future? And man, yeah. it's tough. It's tough to cut that's through. That's the experience building. You may sit with somebody. Yeah, that's the experience building. Yeah. See that early yeah. and figure that out. And everybody's like, go, go with your gut. But being able to go with your no. gut, it makes you, that's the experience. That's what teaches your gut. That's what informs yeah. your gut is all that experience, you know, gives your I gut. I tell people now on, on like a big things. remodel where we're going to be spending a lot of time with them in the house or something like that. I tell them straight up, I go, mm-hmm. I'm just here to see if you guys are assholes. And I'll tell them that straight up and see how they react. <laughs> <laughs> well, and that's a, it's a great way to either break the ice or at least actually get a good reaction out totally. of them because you really can understand a whole lot about a person whenever like because i mean there's as you know jim there's probably somebody that's waiting for that question is is this contractor is this builder is this designer going to ask me some of these hard questions or are they going to think this is going to be rainbows and butterflies all the way through and it's i also have just thought that if i've learned and just heard from plenty of other people and i've got some great mentors in my life but you're if you do business long enough you're you're going to fail at something at some point and something's not going to work out and you can get pissed about it and you can, you know, pack up and go home or whatever, but you also can just take it real personal if you want to, or you can say, okay, what, how can I reflect and what can I learn from the situation and how can I be better going forward and, and what, what missteps did I take or what missteps did they take? And, uh, you know, it just teaches you how to have some of those conversations earlier on or, change the way that you do paperwork or change it the way that you structure financially or whatever. And I, by no means do I have it figured out. I, I don't, but I do know some of the things that I need to look for now that I didn't look for the first time I did a deal. Well, or there's the a lot of, a, there's a lot far. of ingredients that go into yeah, being and, uh, a success. And one of those ingredients sure is failure. Yeah. You got to fail in order to succeed. I know it sounds cliche, yeah. but it's, it's the truth. Wow. You only, you only fail when you stop giving up, when yeah. you give and up. I, if you keep trying, you haven't failed. Well, and you got to push yourself to try something new too. And, and that's where, you know, if I wanted to just rest on the accolades of the first set spec house that I sold and, and made a little bit of money and just, and there's plenty of people out there that want to find that one recipe for success or find a model that works and just scale it up and go. And, and that's cool. Uh, that's not really what I'm after. I want to build something new every yep. time and I want to, figure out ways to reinvent the wheel and, and build some just unique stuff instead of just having a portfolio that looks the same yep. as the last thing yeah, I did. And, they call them so, growing pains. That's how, if you're uncomfortable and you have to stress mm-hmm. and anxiety, you're growing. I mean, you're, yeah. yeah, I don't want to go stagnant either. Yeah. And the world needs both of them. You know what I mean? The, the world needs the mm-hmm. guys that, that are okay with just putting up how, you know, the world needs affordable housing. <laughs> And yep. then the world needs the people that are always pushing the envelope to figure out the next thing. You know, that's how, that's how the, that's how the iPhone was built. Yeah, you know what I mean? Uh, you know, the mm-hmm. world needs both of us. So I, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm more in line with, with yours. I get really bored if they're, if it's just the same thing and I build the same house or the same finishes or the same, whatever I get, I get real bored with it. And I just rather go do something else than that. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I'm 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 in agreement with that. You got to push yourself somehow, you know. Yeah, well, and that's the those are the kind of people that I'm looking for to to add to my team and and that I do have around me. Um, I'm really thankful for that. That I've I've found a lot of guys that are that are cut from that same cloth that want to be able to push themselves and exceed. I mean, I I I would love to say that I've got 
every single person like that that works for me on my team, but it, it's not true. I mean, I've got I've got some guys that really want to push and excel and grow, and and I've also got guys that want to sweep and stand cabinets all day long. And what's cool about my business is I've got a spot for both of those types 100%, of people. Hundred percent. And, no, and I mean, you got to have them. Yep. And I've taken some of those kids that just sweep and take out trash, and I've turned them into project managers. And I love that. It's just same. It's the same exact thing as Jerry did for me. He's like, hey, mow the grass, and now I'm, you know, got a whole city block of real estate where my offices are and i've got a team of you know over a dozen guys and, and a ton of big massive projects going on and and that's all cool and it, and it all started with something small and i want to give that something small to as many guys as i can and if they want to do something with it great and if they don't that's okay too no, that's part of the journey i mean that's that's great it's entrepreneurship mm. and it's yeah i get a kick out of seeing guys grow or guys we bet we bet on the new guys we're like this guy's <laughs> not gonna make it a month this guy's not going to make it six months, mm-hmm. right? And then some guys stick it out. Guys, I just thought would never. I was thinking about a guy today. He's been with me for shoot, I don't know, five, five or six years. It's been a, it's been a journey, mm-hmm. but he's getting there. Like he's, just, I let him. He was running a job today, and I was walking away going, "Man, I remember when I just thought this guy was never going to make it, and he's running some complicated mm-hmm. work. Stuck with it, you know. So yeah. it's, it's it's really fun to see that. It's definitely fulfilling. What is your team like, Jacob? Like how many guys do you have? What are they doing? What positions? I was thinking about that. I I, I need to honestly probably count. I've I've either got twelve or thirteen, not including myself. Um, <laughs> and I've got I've got guys all over the map. So I we do. Um, I've got three guys that are pretty much behind computers all day, either doing drafting and design for my construction projects, and there's they all overlap to some degree too. But and then I've got two that will run uh my cam my computer aided machining so that's like my cnc router and then uh cabinets uh and cabinet design and, and millwork and stuff like that so i've got those guys that are always upstairs always on computers and like i said as they will overlap so i mean some of the stuff that may fall on my uh cam guys plate may be you know custom machining for i don't know uh 3d carved cabinet doors or it may be curved rafter joists for a construction project. I mean, it, it could be that's anything. Cool. And that's what I really enjoy about my business is that I have my hand in all of that. And, uh, and on the design side, we, you know, a few, I think two and a half years ago, uh, I had a guy approach me and say, Hey, I want to put my resume in with you. I'm a draftsman working at a, a local firm here. And I was like, I don't, I don't need a draftsman. I've got a draftsman that I sub stuff out to and he just does everything for me and I get prints and they're pretty close, but I can adapt in the field and, you know, make up for any shortcomings. And, uh, I ended up bringing him on and now I'm like, what, what in the world would I do without him? I mean, I need, I need that in my level of integration in my projects because I have the, the cabinetry and millwork is what I love. I love, I love that stuff. And I don't get to get behind the, ta- the saw that often. I don't get to go and get dirty as often as I'd like and sand cabinets or whatever it may be, just because it's honestly not the highest and best use of my time to do that. I've got to, you know, I've got to manage a business and I've got to lead these guys and, and, you know, sell projects and collaborate with, you know, clients and all that kind of stuff. But because that is what I really enjoy, that's what I, I, I just look for opportunities in the way that we, in the way that I design a house or a, or a renovation project. And uh, that's where my, my drafting side of my team is, is strong and, and really relied upon. And 
And that's a big selling point for people that, you know, I've, you've heard it a million times, design, build, and I've, I get people that love to just come in here and, and sit and see 3D models and, and CAD plans and, you know, whatever, so that it, you know, it's just hard. Yeah, y'all know it's hard to convey to somebody what uh, two-dimensional lines look like and what it is actually going to feel like. Say that again. Um, so there's, uh, we're just... Uh, I'm just trying to push it a little bit because I don't feel like there's a whole lot of that going on around my area. I mean, there's a, there's a few builders that have really some um, upper end uh, modeling software and, and capabilities and stuff like that, but it's not that common. And um, so people are just impressed by that ability to, to be able to walk into one place and have, you know, their cabinets milled while we're, having a meeting and and also be able to see what their project's going to look like you know what post renovation and post completion so um so anyway saying that's that's part of my team three of my guys are are more design um i've got one project manager slash superintendent i mean i don't even know what if i could even tell you what the difference between the two is just because i a lot of the guys wear a lot of different hats in my business i mean i, I i'm one of them i mean yeah. as i just said i, I don't get to go down there and run the saw but i will fire up the molder and I will show somebody how to cope something or how to run a, you know, miter saw or whatever. And that's how my guys are too. We will self-perform stuff and uh, we'll take out the trash and we'll change the oil in the truck and we'll haul material and then we'll get creative and get behind the computer. So, um, you know, my guys are, are very well versed and that's one of the things that I tell them as they sit with me whenever I feel leading to offer somebody a job or they say, Hey, I want to work for you. One, I don't think anybody actually knows what it's like to work for uh, me. And, and just as y'all y'all are probably the same way, it's hard to really put it in a nutshell to say, hey, if you're going to come and be a part of my team and report to me or, or, you know, grow in this business, it's really hard to either put that in black and white text on, a, on an employment agreement or to tell them what their expectations uh, should be because – yeah, you got to find their strengths. You've got to you've got to yep. give the guy an opportunity. They're going to screw some stuff up. You're going to say, okay, you're not a good fit there. Let's do this stuff instead. And you just kind of pivot. And um, so I've uh, it's it's hard to know where somebody's going to land in my business and where they're going to end up going. And it's hard to know where some of these guys that have been working for me for six or seven years are going to be too. And I've got guys that have only you know not that they haven't grown, but some guys that find what they like they want to be on the shop floor they want to be sweating and out on an install and i've got guys that are like hey i want to be i want to eventually get behind that computer someday or i want to be the guy that's taking that plan and, and communicating it to a trade and uh you know i uh i think i say that to say a lot of it, it just goes back to back up that statement i've said that when somebody says that they want to work for me i'm like i don't know if you know what you're actually signing up for because Yep. It can be it can be a shit show around here too, guys. I don't have my shit together and I may look like I do, but that's just social media for anybody. I mean, there's uh there's only so much failures and, and shortcomings that you're gonna be transparent about. But I mean we're I'm just figuring this thing out. I'll tell you day. what, Jacob, and, the, your next potential uh, yeah. your so next potential hire, if they ask you that question, what it's like to work for you. Just direct them to this podcast because you're <laughs> explaining the hell out of it right now. Yes. No, but it's innocent. Well, it's I'm not. Yeah. <laughs> well, I appreciate that. I'm. Well, it's not, funny. I, Jamie I said know. this. Jamie said this a few weeks ago. 
uh, he called it, uh, I think Jamie called it the fight, you know, and I think about that when you, like, you want to be in it with guys that, that you can fight with, and you don't know that until you're in it together, you know, mm -hmm. you're going to have guys, you're going to have guys that'll quit, yeah. and then you're going to have guys that are like, that are like, all right, just tell me what I need to do, and then they'll get after it, and then you're going to have guys that suck at one thing and another thing, and, and I think that's the best way of, of like, of describing it, the more I think about what we do is it, I mean, it is a fight. Like there, there's never a project with in, with no problems or with no and issues. I get asked a lot how, no how we get such a big team and how I find the guys. Well, kind of like what Jacob, I, Jacob was saying is I give everybody a chance and we ask what yeah. their skill level is. If the guy's a journeyman carpenter, great, but we do so much different stuff, cleaning up tractor work, you know, excavation, all this stuff, right? You just, I just drop them in to see where they fit. And there's so many jobs and so many guys, I could drop you around and see who you fit in with. You know? So when you, yeah. when you drop them into that spot, it. are they pretty much guys stuck in as carpenters, framers, and then other guys are just concrete guys? Or do we you do rotate everything. everything? We do everything. Like we, we, no, I mean, I have guys who are, they like framing or they like foundation work or they're good at it, either or trim guys, right? But we got to, I mean, you're, sometimes they're digging footings at a high dollar rate. I mean, we're just out there digging. We got to do it. Mm -hmm. We're busting concrete or we're shit, cutting a tree down because it's in our way. I mean, we do every, I got a four in the day with a chainsaw cutting roots out of the freaking footings. I mean, this is what we do. So it's not uncommon for your day. trim carpenter gonna, who's cutting crown one day and the next day he's digging out a footing. High end trim guy cutting out That's awesome. a stump That's awesome. with a chainsaw <laughs> <laughs> and loving it. Right? Yeah. It's just I gonna mean, do yeah, shit. I yeah. have same, same. Like I and I I think that's super cool. That that's a, like a part of my business that I'm actually really proud of. And I'm sure it's the same way, Jamie. Like, I don't know. Like, yeah, this is what you're good at, but can you also do this for me? And can you just can you just work? Can you just bust ass and get it's some shit attitude. done that we need to get done? It's all attitude. And because yeah. I've got I mean, I, I just run into all the time where anybody is just willing to find one little thing that can prevent them from doing the job that they need to do. Yep. And they're like, oh, we'll just come back later. Or, hey, once the framer's done, or, oh, once your plumber moves this, yep. or this. can we do some of that? Uh, I mean, obviously there's some stuff that we're like, hey, yeah, we actually need a professional to come over yeah. here and do something, but we can also figure some things out on our own and, and not just look for an excuse to not be able to. That's what set me on the path mm -hmm. of self-reforming. Every sub that's pissed me off that I could do in-house, I started to do. Mm-hmm. So, electricians and plumber, watch out! Yeah, <laughs> it wasn't anything about business. <laughs> no, we just—I mean, we learned that well, way. I mean, I'd been on the tools as an apprentice building houses. That's what we did. I thought everybody did it right, but yeah. if I could do it, I'm yeah. doing it. Because what did you call it a minute ago? <laughs> dude shit, dude shit, <laughs> and, and do that shit. Just it's dude shit. shit. It's kind of a yeah, yeah. It's more of a frame of mind, not a. <laughs> Well, that's why I'm so thankful for you know, those those low end rent houses that I got to just kind of screw around on and figure some stuff out. I mean, mm -hmm. I there's times I had joint compound in a in a bucket and a in a trowel in my hand, and there's other times I have a sledgehammer and I'm busting up a concrete or a wall, and there's other times I'm trying to cut in a, a perfect line with a paintbrush, and there's times I'm just you know uh, dollying in an appliance. I mean, yep. it, and, and that's, what's been really valuable to me because back to when I was 23, 24, 25, building my first few houses, I had guys that would 
more or less. I mean, not not look at not look me in the eye and say, "Hey, you don't know what you're doing." But I eventually got my bluff called, and I'd say, "I actually do know what you're talking about. I don't know everything about it, but I do know enough to be able to say, well, how about we do this?'" And that's that's the that's where the value is, and that's uh, yeah. I don't know. I mean, an opportunity that a lot you know, as everybody's going to get into this industry in different ways, but I've, I see guys that just sit in trucks and make phone calls all day and, and don't, and just kind of rely on the trades to really steer oh, some of these projects. And that is my biggest, like, hey, biggest pet peeve. And actually I'm glad that a lot of my competitors do that is they let mm-hmm. their trades direct them. You know, they let the trades run the job. That is not the way it happens around here. We direct our trades. Yeah. We tell them how, how to, how we want it done. And, if you don't, your level of quality just goes straight down because they don't care. You know, it's not their name. It's not their name on the house yeah. when it's done. Yeah. Nope. Well, and you're probably receptive enough too that if you're trying to tell your trade to do something that they may not feel comfortable with or they've got a question or they think they've got a uh, better way to do it, they're going to speak up and say, hey, Mike, I actually, I, I think we might should do this. And, and you would be open-minded and receptive to it to some degree, but at the end of the day, you're going to say, okay, I, I, I do this with my guys all the time. I'm like, like you know, specifically at the cabinet shop, I'll say, hey, here's the steps. Here's the process. Here's how I would do it. I think I know what I'm doing, but you can take your own path if you want to. This is the end result. And I I will allow them to kind of fulfill and solidify the process in which I laid out to begin with. But I'm also open-minded enough to be like, oh, okay, well, yeah, you wanted to change that process slightly and it worked better for you and it makes more sense to you to do it that way, that's okay too. Um, as long as the standard is set, the expectation is set. And, you know, there's enough like red lights along the way to make sure that we're not skipping something. Um, so I, yeah, it's, I, I, I've got a few projects right now where I have just learned and just seen firsthand and, and back to what you were saying, Jamie, just being able to, uh, when to, I don't know, say maybe some smart ass things or to insert your opinion whenever it may not be asked for. Uh, I've just learned that you just have to kind of read how the situation is and what the relationship is going to be. So you start in this project, there's a builder and a client and a designer. You've got to back to that, what I was saying earlier about having to uh, kind of judge people and, and read between the lines and see how they're wired and what they're, what's important to them and, it really helps you understand what the dynamic of the project is going to be. And you've got to read into that stuff early to be able to know, I actually do need to leave this builder because he relies on the trades way more than yep. I do. Or, you know, this designer really wants their ego stroke. So I want to tell them that everything that they say is great. And this client's really conservative. So you know when and, and when not to speak up. And um, I don't know that it just, I say this a lot to, uh, my project manager, uh, Carlos, a lot that there, there's just a game within a game all the mm-hmm. time. And, and we may be here to build a house, but I've got somebody that's borrowed more money than they're, they've ever borrowed in their life. And they're staking their dream on this dream home and they're sweating all the details. And you got to kind of almost be a therapist and a psychologist yeah, and all this stuff wrapped up in one before you put on that cabinet guy hat or that builder hat or that designer hat you've got to really relate to these people and that was something jerry told me about a long time ago too was he one of one of the best pieces of advice i think he gave me is 
as I was starting to branch off and find my own target market and my clients and things like that, he said, you need to, if you're talking to that 50 year old woman, who's got a 25 year old kid, you need to figure out a way to uh, relate to her so that she would almost view you like her son. And, you know, if you're communicating with a younger client, you've got to kind of put yourself in a position to relate to them. Like you're one of their peers, instead of you're trying to relate to this other lady as, you know, her child. And it's, I just think stuff like that's valuable and that's a unique perspective to like to even hear stuff like that. Cause I, I look back yeah. and I'm like, I didn't get into this business to play relationship games. I just want to build cool shit, but you can't get to that point if you don't sell these projects. And if you that's don't part relate of being to somebody business, that's sales one-on-one, yeah. Yeah. you know I mean? It's... Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And, and going back to, to, you know, like what Mike said and like letting your trades run, I think there, I think there is a little bit of a fine line too in building your team of subs that you have, you know, um, you know, I, I try to surround myself with guys that I trust, you know, I, I don't, I don't run HVAC or plumbing every single day, you know, and I don't ever want to be the smartest person in the room either, you know? So, but I think the fine line is, do I trust this person that they really are going to do the best thing here or do I not, you know? And, and if I trust them that they do great work and that I'm paying, you know, I mean, gosh, we all know what we pay plumbers now, right? Um, if I, if I trust my plumber and he has a different opinion than I have, you know, well, then I'm going to trust that he does this every day and I do not, you know, I'm, I'm managing the project and I'm going to err on the side of, I trust this guy and paying him a lot of money. And he says, this is what's going to give us the best result. And at the end of the day, he's going to have to warranty it too. So, you know, I think there's times that you do have to lean on, you know, Hey, you know, what is this guy telling me? And then to what you know, and you know, so that does go part of the relationship game too. I never want, I always, always tell people I never want to be the smartest person in the house ever. You know, I want, I want my siding guy to know a hell of a lot more about siding than I do. And I want my framer to know a hell of a lot more about framing, you know, et cetera, et cetera, all the way down the line. I, I just want to be the guy that directs them and says, Hey, this is what's on the plans. If we need more detail, let's go get more detail and let's figure it out. But right. here's our standard and let's figure out. How Earlier, to- Jacob, you talked about, you just want to build cool shit. And that's what I want to get into. Cause what I see on social and Instagram, you are building some cool shit. Tell me about your CNC machine, all these awesome projects I see that you're doing. That killer fireplace that you did that I, I'm constantly showing clients and designers that you had those hexagonal, hex, hexagonal, yeah. uh, whatever that word is, oak. That, yeah, it was there. Yeah, it was a. Uh, <laughs> it's actually a four sided shape, uh, Michael. It's it's a uh, it's a trapezoid. So but so you're you all. They're actually all. All the way. So Mike cheats that scrabble. <laughs> it, yeah, I, it is a polygon still, I guess. But it, it is a trapezoid. <laughs> but, but, All right, you, you got know, me. Whatever you say, Jacob. Uh, he can take uh, but a hexagon so, has four sides. Yeah, right? I got, I got some cool stuff. And hex, a, hex, a hexagon is six Mikey. sides. Jesus. 
No, no wonder you haven't sold one yet, Mike. You got the, you got the, like, uh, so, like, are you sure we want this guy to do this? Plus, you, plus you said, uh, plus you just said a hexagonal trim, right, Mike? <laughs> yeah. So on that one specifically, I I had a designer come that has always that has really just tried to flatter me all the time and just sing my praises and we hadn't done any any work together and so she said hey i got something really complicated that i saw in a hotel in dallas and i took a picture of it do you think you can do you think you can look at it with me i said yeah sure and so she brings me uh you know just a couple pictures which again that's usually how these things start is very bare minimum information that i've got to somehow try to reverse engineer and figure out and uh she said, I want to, it, it basically was a, a trapezoid that uh, had a angle, varying angles all across it. And she wanted to clad a fireplace surrounding it, but she also wanted to backlight it. And I'm like, how, who comes up with this shit? Like, I don't know how to do this. And I don't know where you would even begin to go to, to try to solve this problem. Or, you know, it's not like you just pull up the yellow pages or Google and say, I need a, you know, a geometric fireplace. And so I said, yeah, I can do it. I said, I don't have any idea what this is going to cost. I mean, what are you, what are you thinking? And, and we got to where we were at least within a, you know, 20% of, of being in the same ballpark as far as budget was concerned. I said, okay, well, this is worth me trying to figure out. And so I just, but you immediately you know, said, sure, we can do this. Yeah. And I, and I, <laughs> exactly. And I have put my foot in my mouth before I've actually sold projects for, edge banded cabinets before I even owned an edge bander. And I'm just like, yeah, I can do that. And then I saw the project. I'm like, shit, I need to do an edge bander. And, uh, you know, and not only do I want to go get an edge bander, I want to get the one that has more features than I need right now so that I can grow into it instead of, you know, it's same with CNC. You can buy, you can buy $8,000 build your own CNC kit, or you can go and, you know, spend two or $300,000 on something that's industrial and that you can, you can grow into. And, that's that's how my CNC story is too. By the way, where I just I went to a trade show and came back with a really big expensive machine that I did not know how to use, and I didn't know that you didn't just like I I, I just learned you have to have software, you have to have uh, nesting capabilities, you have to have uh, something that can generate G code. There's so Jamie's like, what are you talking about? That. And I'm just like, I love oh, it. no, I love it. You know? That's yeah. great. That's just... Me too. See him at the like, show. And and like, fuck it. Yeah, let's, <laughs> let's try. It. <laughs> and I'm well. And I, I don't know. I, I again. It's that just an evolution. There's so many growing stories I've got throughout this thing that I've done in a short amount of time. I've been doing it, but I, I it made me borrow money for the first time. I'd never borrowed money. Like, I mean, besides, you know, obviously we've talked about some spec house stuff, but like for myself and to dump into my business i was usually like i can't go buy something until i have the cash to go and do that and that was a super super intimidating thing for me to have to sign a a, you know a 10-year equipment note or to leverage a piece of property or to you know do whatever to be able to go and i mean it's crazy how expensive some of the stuff is i've got i mean tons of equipment that i that i would have never thought that i would spend Oh, it's six digits on one one machine that yeah. just does one job and that's it and it it's crazy to me but when you go to those trade shows they're like well you can buy this miter door machine and it can run 
this many hours a day, this many shifts, and it will never cut its finger off. It will never screw up. It will never cut something at, you know, 46 degrees. It's 45 every time. It will always fit and it will never break down or complain and it can replace people. Now, obviously I, I'm very heavy into the people part of my business. I, I know I've explained that already, but that, uh, even just trying to think through that type of mindset was, was a new organic thing for me too, because that's a, I mean, there's a machine out there for anything that you want uh, to do. And if it doesn't exist yet, you can just engage with the, you know, machinery manufacturers and say, Hey, I need something, custom build me something. And, uh, anyway, I know I'm going down that rabbit trail, but yeah, that, I mean, I've, that geometric fireplace mic was a cool one. Um, we figured it out. I figured out how to, we, we basically, uh, figured out how to incorporate not just my machinery, but, you know, started with my design office and then it, it kind of works its way downstairs. And we, you know, I've, I've got, all the guys that work for me every every Monday morning, we all meet as a team and we talk about what's going on for the week and what we're focusing on and what we can get better at and what we did well the previous week or month or as this project's wrapping up. Here's some of the things we're focusing on and and when I try to I try to do that because uh, I want my guys to be able to see me and see my face and see my integration in my business instead of me. I, there are times that I've got a thirty thousand foot view on my business and there's times I am really i'm five decimals deep on trying to make sure something's accurate and there is on it that is a double-edged sword i think that's really cool to be able to say and to be that ingrained in my business but i will tell you right now it can create a lot of problems yeah, too it's hard. whenever i am and yeah i mean it's hard to it's hard to let go of some things and uh it's hard to trust people but i have i have done it and i do do it i have I had to pull the reins back on that before where I have given up not necessarily too much control, but given somebody too long of a leash before. Yep. And those are, again, it's yeah. the lessons that I learned on a daily basis from those are the hard it ones. Is, but it, I mean, it's part yeah, of it having is. those people grow too. I, I do that too. And it's, it's, it's a tough one. I go back and forth on that a lot. Yeah. And I don't want to, you know, always just like with that leash back, whenever something gets goes wrong. Yep. I mean, I, I can't, let one person screw that up for all the, you know, the dozen other guys that are here. Yep. And um, I don't know, but it, you just got to, I, I know I keep talking about relationship and, and being able to relate to people, but everybody's got their own communication style and their own innuendos mm -hmm. and the things that are important to them. I've got guys that want to pat on the back around every corner. And I've got guys that don't want to make eye contact with me when I walk across the shop because they're so yep. focused on what they're doing. And that's cool. And I, I've got guys that want to go and have a taco and beer every Friday too. And I would love to do that, but I, you know, can't do that all the time, but um, I don't know. I just, there are times where I will look up and think I don't have time to do some of the things that I need to make time for. And that's just one of the biggest struggles of just time management in the business and how many just finite hours you have in the day and, and who's going to get them and, you know, um, not only that, you got the, just the thing that everybody always talks about is family life balance and, and not being so you were, I, one of you guys said it last week about just your, it's hard to get present sometimes yeah. because whenever you, you are home, it's hard to turn it off. And I struggle yeah. with that for a, a very long time. And there's times I'm doing really good at it. 
and there's times I am doing just terrible where I'm like, I'm, I'm here, but I'm not here. I might as well still be doing what I'm doing or sitting behind my computer or I think that's part of being part of being a business driving in my truck. Even when you're off, you're, you're still on and you have Mm -hmm. to remind yourself to be present at home. And I'm guilty. I'm terrible at that. And my wife will remind me that I'm terrible at that, but yeah, yeah, but it's, you want to kind of get some of it outsourced, but I don't know. I mean, I, I sleep with my phone, like literally, yeah. You know, I've had phone calls at one in the morning of something weird happening on the job site. I just need to know. I need to be connected all the time. It's just not, I don't, I don't think that's that healthy. <laughs> well, yeah. I, I had somebody say to me not that long ago that, that the verbiage I should use is that I'm accessible, but I'm not available. Oh, well, that's a and, good, write that uh, one down. Or no, mm. I'm a, that's actually yeah, really good. good. Did I say it backwards? No, I think that's yeah, right. Yeah. Like if no, I if right. you absolutely need me, I can be there. If something's on fire, yeah, that's call right. me. But don't text yeah. me at six thirty or at eight thirty at night or at nine thirty at night and say, Hey, what was the paint color gonna be in yeah. here? Or hey, can I change that piece of hardware? Like and and I've you know, again, I'm I'm talking about vetting people and clients and stuff like that, but I've just learned that I've had you gotta have those conversations up front yep. with people when yeah. you're it, it may be not on meeting one, but on meeting two or three when this thing looks like it's going somewhere it's like hey i just need you to know i i'm at home every day at 5 30 i will not miss a kid's practice i don't work on the weekends and i you know my trades may and they may be available for something but if you need to get me i'm i'm here but don't like let's set a boundary and i'm going to give them that same respect too i'm not going to be blowing somebody up at seven o'clock at night and saying hey when are you going to pay that exactly or hey you know can you meet tomorrow first thing in the morning i mean if something's urgent yes but uh, just kind of being able to communicate some of those boundaries is is healthy for everybody, and it helps. Yeah, I, I again, I keep saying the things that I think you guys know, but you've dealt with some clients that think that they own you, and that mm-hmm. they because they're spending so much money that they have the right to be able to dictate what you do and how high of a priority they may be. And uh, I don't know, I I don't want to work for those kind of people. Yeah. And those are the the things that I try to catch as early on in the process and I have worked for some of them and it sucks and I don't like having somebody else's thumb on me you know trying to dictate every move that I make and being the squeaky wheel that you they talked, know has got to you talked you know, about work-life balance and, so what uh, does Jacob Reinbold do for mm-hmm. fun when he's not thinking about work uh, <laughs> when am I not thinking about work though Mike um, tell, tell us about the family I mean, kids I, what I, age I, what they're I, doing I know they're playing football right now so I've got two boys. Yep. Playing football probably still right now. Yeah. Um, I've got a 10 year old and a seven year old. Um, my 10 year old, his name's Luke and uh, my seven year old, his name is his name that he goes by is yummy. Y U M M Y. And his, his birth name is Will. Does he work on Jamie's crew? It's, uh, I can, I can. <laughs> yeah. My crew's got a nickname. He fit right in. Got a nickname. Yeah. I love this. Well, kid. <laughs> My, uh, my boys are, they both have really crazy, powerful testimonies. They were both born super, super, super early. Luke was born at, uh, 27 weeks, five days. So he was one pound, 13 ounces when he was born. And, uh, he, I mean, just crazy, man. Uh, yeah, we're sitting here talking about them playing, playing football, but I mean, I was 24 years old and I'm really thankful I was ignorant and didn't know a whole lot about babies and childbirth and just all that kind of stuff. And, uh, he, 
he was born early. We didn't really know what the complications were. We ended up finding out later the way Macy, my wife, just her, the way she's constructed internally just wasn't advantageous for, you know, a baby to grow past a certain gestation. We didn't know, we knew it was a little bit of a risk after Luke. We still tried uh, because our, you know, our doctor said, hey, I think you, you can still have more children, but you need to, you're going to be high risk and you need to just be careful and we'll monitor and do all that kind of stuff. And uh, we prayed and prayed and prayed and we just thought we were going to have a, a Luke, our boy, and then we were going to have a baby girl. And we were high risk and we got some genetic testing back early, which gave us the ability to see the sex of the baby. And I remember we were on a marriage retreat for our church and we were up in the mountains and we we're like, we're about like, we told God, this is what we want. And I know we're about to get it. And we got our test back and it was a boy and we were just pissed. And we were just like, God, come on, man. Like, did you not hear what I said? Like, I thought this is what was going to happen. And you know, this is how this is going to work out. And we had an agreement and, uh, we were just pissed. And, and then yummy, actually to the day, uh, at 27 weeks, five days, we had a doctor's appointment and, it was, there was decreased fetal movement. We went into the doctor and they said, Hey, we need to take you to the hospital. I, this, this doesn't look good. I think we're catching it earlier on than we did the fluke. Um, but we're going to send you over for testing and, and just for monitoring. And we went to the hospital and we never left. And I, Yummy wow. was born. Uh, I can't remember how many days later, not very many. He was two pounds, one ounce. Wow. And they both spent 72 days in the NICU. Wow. That's and that is. That's heavy, Luke, dude. on his third day in, yeah, it is. It's, but it's like also it's, a, I mean, it's a, a good big, thing he I mean, came out with a great nickname. Yeah, he did. And the reason he, uh, that's, I sat here and said I was going to condense the story and make it short. And here I am going. But Will was really, really, really colic when he came home from the NICU. And so he was on a heart monitor and he was just crying. He was the worst baby in the whole world. And we were we were pissed because we were like, Hey, we didn't actually want another son. We wanted a girl and this kid sucks <laughs> and he just cries all the time. And all like me and Macy were just like, that's, that was part of yummy. Our stance. Yummy's not going to listen to this. I hope <laughs> he was, this, no, this kid no, he, sucks. That's, that's what I'm getting at. The kid is yummy. The kid is He's awesome. Man, yeah. He's the best God's gift. We that's love God's this gift, kid. Yeah. But he was, he would just scream and cry and Macy would just be like, Will, and then it would turn to Will Yum. And then it, and then my Luke caught uh, on to Yum. And so he started calling uh, Yum, Yummy. Good. And now the kid just, he'll come in from the backyard playing with Luke and he'll just be crying. He's like, mom, Luke called me Will. And I'm like, dude, that's your name. Like, <laughs> that's just how, it, like, you're gonna, yeah, you're gonna have to be okay with great. that. And so anyway, I know that's probably more than you asked for Mike, but yeah, I got, I got Luke and I got yummy and they're fantastic kids. We are not having any more kids. We're not doing that again. Um, but they, uh, they're cool. They think, they think I'm cool, which I think is probably a finite period of time before they don't think I'm cool. You'll be cool for a while. They love, they love, they love my shop. They love going, you know, if I'm pouring flat work or concrete or something, they're putting their boots on, they're getting out there and they're, Pulling concrete yeah, that's around, what it's about, getting right, right there. in the thick of it, and you know, you'll I've, be cool for. You'll be, I'm letting you'll them be good for a while, man. You're you're a real dude. Well, they. I hope so because I mean, honestly, I, I try to teach them. 
I want them to have a good work ethic because Zane, you said your dad kind of got you into construction and then you said, Hey, this is, he, he gave me all these tasks and he'd leave and I, I better have them done when he got back or at least better be close. And yeah, it wasn't like that with my dad. My dad was an irrigation contractor. He was an alcoholic. He was abusive. He was not, he was not a good father figure at all, but my work ethic was actually terrible because he would say, Hey, I need you to come dig these ditches or come, come clean this ditch out or come fix this for me or whatever. And I would bust my ass all day and I'd get home and I would think I was making maybe some money or something. And he said, no, your, your reward is you get a roof over your head tonight. And while I understand that, and yes, I need to be thankful for those things. It did not instill a good work ethic in me at all. I, I wanted to be able to be rewarded for giving myself to something and, and to push and to work hard. And it was just super counterproductive. Um, but again, as you, as you both, all three of you have said in some capacity, when you see something done the wrong way, it, it definitely teaches you the way to do it. And that was what I saw with my dad a lot, just getting up at nine o'clock and let's roll out at 11 and let's do this. And let's, I mean, just no motivation for seeing something through to the end. I mean, kind of just milking it and, and taking your time. And like I said, with just alcohol abuse and, and not having a good you know, work-life balance and not, if, if it would be different if he was kicking ass as a dad and teaching me some cool stuff, but he actually just taught me a ton of things that I learned that I shouldn't do. And I honestly am thankful for that because it has definitely molded me into who I am, but I'll be yeah. damned if I do that to my kids. Like yeah. I'm going to be there for them. I'm going to make the games. I'm going to teach them the stuff that they want to know about and try to put them into a position where they can succeed in life and find something that they're passionate about. I would love it if they'd want to work in my business or, you know, be part of my business or whatever down the road. But if they don't, they don't. And as we were sitting here talking about flag football, I mean, me and Macy kind of had this revelation last week or two weeks ago with, with yummy guys, I'm not playing. The kid will line up backwards at the line of scrimmage and not know where he's going, but the kid's super sharp, but he doesn't give a shit about football where if Luke's playing, he is, he was in tears if they lose. And we just had the revelation. We said, well, maybe, maybe it's just not what he's destined to do as sports. And if that's not what it is, that's okay. Yep. The kid can still be successful. He doesn't have the same story that I had and he doesn't do the same things that we were competitive about, but I tell you right. what, he's born at 27 yeah. weeks and his name is just, yummy. There's no not going to be much that's going to shake that kid. <laughs> Hold it back. Yeah. 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 I can't. Well, I can't wait until he opens his tech pick shop. Yeah, that'll be. That'll be a proud dad yeah. moment. Yeah. So Jacob, yeah, we have a little thing that we do on the podcast called yeah, "This or That." So we're going to get into that now. So you ready? Yeah. Look, looks okay, or personality. Personality. Sight or sound. I do have sound. a pretty wife, though. I, I need to. Oh, I got even though she's going to say. I was going to say, oh, but I got the whole pack. Sight or sound? Sound. I'm a music guy. I love, I've always got something going on in the background. I can't, I cannot be silent. You didn't know Amarillo by morning? And except I didn't know my trademark song, James. Yeah. <laughs> uh, win the lottery or land your dream job? I think we know that. Uh, my job, yeah, landing dream yeah. job. I mean, well, 
Yeah, it was. Yeah. Scratch, scratch cards or, or Mega Millions. I don't know. Books or movies? Yeah, movies. Here's a good one for a Texas boy. Football or baseball? Football, for sure. I, I mean, the Rangers are going to World Series, which I actually, That's right. my wife told me about yesterday because I haven't kept up with the series at all, but, or, or really with playoffs, but still, I'm a football guy for sure. Give up social media or eat the same dinner for the rest of your life? I could not do that. I'd give up social media for sure. I could not eat the same thing for the rest of my life. Yeah, no way, dude. That would suck. All right. Here's a, here's a deep one. Be the person who flips the switch during executions or be the judge who decides who should be executed. Oh, my God. Oh, that is pretty deep, Mike. Uh, so dark. <laughs> I would say I would probably rather flip the switch because I could just be like, hey, sorry, if you're here or not, it's not my fault, but this is my job. So. <laughs> just yeah. my job. I, it's my job. I don't want to have to be the guy that says, hey, you're going to die and I'm the one that chooses that. I'd rather not be that guy. I think you've already answered this one because you told us your wife is good looking, but be married to someone good looking who doesn't think you're attractive or be married to someone ugly who thinks you're gorgeous. I would say. How do you know that she thinks he's attractive? Maybe he's just, you know, maybe he was just the best catch in Amarillo at the time. I mean, no, I'm know, just kidding. I, I mean, that could be true too, Zane, but I, I would say the <laughs> The first, I don't want to. I don't remember what all you said, but the first. She's and just she, too nice. She's just too nice to tell me he's ugly. That's all. She, she acts I'm like kidding. she acts like she likes me, but you know, I, it depends. It depends. It depends <laughs> if I've got my balance in, in order or not that we keep talking about. That's would right, you yeah. Would you rather be yeah. four years old for your entire life or be ninety years old for your entire life? Four. Mm. Yeah, I think that's easy. Yeah, totally. Get stranded in Antarctica or the desert? Mm. Desert. I can't stand being cold. (laughs) Coffee or tea? Coffee. Beer or whiskey? Whiskey. All right. Whiskey's a strong one. Yeah. Yeah. Always have a full battery for your phone or always have a full tank of gas in your car? Uh, Gas. I'd rather have that. All right, and we'll finish with this one. Would you rather walk into a client meeting with no shirt on or your eyebrows shaved off? No shirt on, for sure. It's <laughs> <laughs> uh, that hexagonal mind I've got. Yeah. <laughs> hexagonal. All, all four sides of it. <laughs> for the record, I'm looking at the picture of that fireplace right now. And there is hexagons, and that's going to be my post tomorrow. No, my hexagons. There, it's a hexagon that's cut in half. It's a trapezoid. It's, but it's a hexagon. I gotta look at this picture. I'll show it. I haven't seen the picture, but I'm going with Jacob. <laughs> it's not like he did it, right? I'm going with the guy that did it. Podcast. <laughs> yeah. All right. Oh, I see. It's not that far down your page. Yeah, it's awesome, isn't it? Yeah, he's right. That's a hexagon. Yeah, he's right. Well, it is. It's a hexagon cut in half, which makes it a trapezoid. Right. Whatever it is, it's pretty damn cool. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was cool. That was a a fun one. Uh, It was complicated as shit, but it was was cool. 
And you backlit it? Yeah, so uh, I'll get a little technical, I guess. But I yeah. I ran some boards through my planer at an angle so that I could get a trapezoid slope on like So I could just get a slope on it. And then I put those boards on my CNC, and we came from the top, and we cut hexagons – or, sorry, shit, trapezoids out of it. And <laughs> I we made like a lattice negative that we could put on acrylic, and then we mounted each of these – trapezoids inside of those ne- the negative spaces to be able to get the spacing right and so the the negative space is where the acrylic uh is visible and then the lighting is behind the acrylic and shines through um oh, that's and awesome. so we i thought we that was pre- brass no it's all it's just acrylic it was like uh i can't remember the thing i mean that's even cooler was, than brass brass would have been i don't know that would have been hard too but <laughs> Yeah, I think there was six or eight hundred trapezoids on that thing, and I remember I just we just like threw them in a bucket and took it to my finish guy, and I said, "Hey, I need you to ebonize all these," and he's like, "Dude, what the hell is this? <laughs> like, I don't want to do that." And then I got them all pre-finished and then put it all together. It was a cool project, awesome. and I was uh, she's she's ecstatic with it, and it definitely definitely is a good talking point. Yeah. Did you say you threw him in a bucket? I mean, how big of a bucket well, was that? Multiple five-gallon <laughs> buckets <laughs> in, in the bed of a truck, and then we, yeah, maybe should have rented a dump truck to go dump these things off. Yeah. Did you do the acrylic because you could do that with the lighting? Yeah, and, and because it made it a little bit more of a modular modular design, so we could get that acrylic in I think it was either four by eight or four by 10 sheets. And so I could lay those sheets yeah. on an easel in my shop and then screw through the back of it into each of those trapezoids and then yeah. take these and then mount it to the fireplace wall uh, instead of having to hand, hand do it on site. So we just showed up with yeah. like six, oh. six panels and put it in within, you know, a day or two That's of, of install. Idea. So, and the corners, I mean, I'm, I'm, the corners worked out perfect. We, I mean, I'm guessing you staged this. Yes, we you. staged it in my shop. So, yeah, we, we built it all here, and then we had to kind of scribe fit some specific pieces there. But, uh, yeah, it all it worked out pretty good. And there's a hidden... Yeah, because I'm, I'm looking at the one with the corners right now. I mean, it's pretty pretty damn cool. He does yeah. some crazy stuff. You're doing a lot of the, the high-gloss finish, too, I notice, in some of these rooms. Yeah, and, man, I've learned that lesson the hard way, too. We... I've done, I mean, plenty mm-hmm. of millwork and paneling and cabinetry and stuff like that. But, you know, when you're putting a, a satin or a semi gloss on millwork, it will hide a whole lot. But when you put high gloss on it and you have a ton of natural light, which everybody has, and big giant windows and big fancy chandeliers, and it'll show, paint will flash on the smallest thing if you don't take care of it. And so, yeah. I, uh, I mean, again, back to trial by fire, I've thrown, I've thrown some of mine you know, trim guys and, and cabinet guys just into rooms with paneling and copper ceilings and big crown cornice build buildups. And once we get, you know, I obviously explain it on the front end, but we'll get it all done. We'll just spend, you know, weeks filling and sanding and, and checking and trying to set the painter up for success instead of, you know, saying, oh, painter will fix it. It's his job to make sure this stuff's right because it's yeah. a bad reflection on me if he goes and sprays it. You can, uh, I, it's a dumb analogy, but you could high gloss a turd. It's still going to look like a turd. I mean, it's not going to, it's not going to, it doesn't matter. And so you got to just well, the, take care of it. If you have that attitude and you have a good painter, he's not going to work for you very long. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. He's, he's not making enough money to do that. Yeah. So yeah, he's, 
he's not gonna work for you as long as you want him to <laughs> for sure and and uh yeah it, it i just like i said i kind of learned it really with just i've got one designer that loves the he, he loves going high gloss finishes and uh once we kind of figured out the formula and it had had a painter pitch at me you know I, and i've used the same painter for a lot of it but i've had him bitch at me and say like dude i'm not, this isn't ready for me and i've got to now do this or i have to fix this or i need your guys to come back and do this it's like okay cool I, now i know and this is how we're going to do it next time but yeah well, you can get six yeah. coats of enamel deep on something and if it's not looking right you gotta you gotta start over and that's not a fun spot yeah. to be in yep. <laughs> No, <laughs> it's one of the trades that pissed me off. I brought Peyton House. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I've thought about that, but I, I don't know. I'm, I've got good. I've got really great finished contractors that I work with, and I and I'm thankful for that because uh, I do not want to have to get into the paint business. I prefer not to. I love my painter. I, one thing I hate paint, and I love my painter so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, not not bringing that in house maybe ever. I had the right guy come across my path, so it worked out. Yeah, our painter. Got to find the right painter. Paints tough. Well, trip. there's two things that everybody notice. That everybody notices a walkthrough. It's drywall and paint. Mm-hmm. You better have a good drywall contractor and a good paint contractor because that's those two. And, guys they, gotta and they gotta like each other. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yep. For sure. For sure, and they like to blame things. Well, the painter likes to blame things on the drywall guy, mm-hmm. at least. I always blame, yeah. they blame it on the framers. Yeah, yeah. the, the trim framers guy always blames stuff on the framers. Yeah. yeah, I brought in a trim guy to do a frame. Uh, my frame walk. Now, my last one, uh, I asked my trim guy to do it, mm. and it and it was great. He noticed he noticed a lot of shit that I never would have thought of. Yeah, you know. So yeah. I was like, well, I think I might do this every time now plus he loves it all the doors are all the doors are now square and level and you know or more than they've ever been and mm-hmm. the framer also knows that he's coming in behind him and he don't want to be embarrassed that's a great so, idea i saw know, spencer lewis idea. do that one he goes in the house with a sledge and he's banging door jams yeah, yeah plumb and straight and... yeah my trim guy just marks them unless the framer fix them but i mean it's a good idea job looks frame job looks amazing mm-hmm. you know so yeah yeah. Well, all right, Jacob. This has been cool. Yeah. Yeah. Great hearing yeah, about you. Yeah, Good outlook. Great outlook. Yeah. Well, thanks, Jacob. Yeah. Why don't you tell everybody where where they can find you? Maybe. Maybe not. Here you go. I think I lost. Here you go. There. Okay, I got you. There you go. There you go. There you go. Uh, there you go. Uh, what'd you say, Zane? Where they can find you? Instagram right. stuff like that. Yeah. Where we can find you? Uh, at Reinbold Inc on instagram that's r-e-i-n b as in boy o-l b as in dog i-n-c um that's the best way to see see the stuff that uh you guys have seen and, and been talking about and uh, i have websites obviously www.rhymeboldinc.com um but yeah we uh we do it all um the complicated stuff i ship stuff across the nation millwork components trim um all that kind of stuff so if there's anything that somebody says they can't do i bet you i could figure it out but uh you know if the logistics work or not remains to be seen but i love it that's my attitude i love it love it so yeah guys thanks for having me on i appreciate it it's good talking yeah. to you 
Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, nice to meet you, man. But a hexagon has four sides, right?